Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. So, uh, how was y'all's fast? Amen. <laughs> was it good? <laughs> Glad it's over? Um, I, uh, I, I don't know about y'all, but my fast was a bunch of ups and downs. It, I've, I've had fasts in the past where, you know, they're just smooth sailing. You know, you, you just are in it and things keep on moving. And this one just felt like all over the place. And so I don't know how yours went, but hopefully you're feeling encouraged to move forward this year in faith. Hopefully you're feeling closer to God. And, um, you know, I was thinking about He's been asking the past couple questions, uh, past couple weeks is, how's your soul? And I think that that's a, a great place to start is, how's your soul doing? How are you feeling on the inside? Um, what's stirring inside and what's moving around? Uh, I don't know. I know my parents got a flat tire on the way in, and I'm sure that there's a lot going on in yours, in y'all's minds and hearts trying to get up here. Um I know there's a lot of people sick, but just want to throw that out there. Let's start with a prayer. Um, Father, we love you so much, and we are so grateful to get to be here uh, as a family, uh, as your outpost in Clemson. Father, we just want to ask you today to uh, go ahead of us, to be the pillar of light in front of us, Father, we want to be able to see you. We want to hear your voice. We want to be able to recognize you from uh, all the distractions in this life and world. And um, I just pray for this time together that you'll be with me. And what, I, what I'm speaking about, and then just with all of our hearts, that we will hear your voice and uh, want to go and live like you want us to live. So, Father, we love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so where are we at? Is this working? Oh, nice. Nice. Here we go. So we, um, over the fast, I've been doing a little bit of Bible study, and my hope today is to be able to, my hope, it's not really my hope, I'm going to share with you what I've been learning about, and uh, I hope you get something out of it. But I've uh, been reading a book, and they were talking about slogans, and I think we all know what slogans are. We've got Clemson here. We're all familiar with All In. We, you know, that's that was Dabo's thing when he got hired. He's like, I'm all in. Let's do this thing, and it kind of stuck. You know, I was thinking about some other ones that I like. <laughs> We've got uh, Let the Big Dog Eat. I'll, I'll tell you, I don't know what that means. I just like the sound of it. It just sounds good. You know. I'm hungry. Let me eat. That's, that's what it is. You know, we've got this one, Fear the Spear. And I'm not a big fan, but I, but I thought this was appropriate. To, so I want to, who wants to have to see you raise your hand? 
Somebody had to do it. Um, you might have a sword that you want to pull out right now, but we're going to talk about turning them away from violence. Um, so, I've been reading a really interesting book, and uh, it's called uh, Patient Firmament. Patient Firmament. And what, um, there's a section in this that, uh, well, actually, the whole book is kind of a look at some writings from um, guys from the second and third century churches. So, not the first century church, the churches after the fact. And so, some guys, um, writing on that and it's been really interesting to go through and to look at man what did those guys do because this is some of the earliest writing we have outside of our bible on what the churches were like and so um yeah so it's pretty interesting one of the things that stuck out to me is is that they had kind of like a church slogan at that time and the church slogan was swords into plowshares and that was like their banner, when they talked about community, that's what they talked about. That's what they pointed to, it's swords to plowshares. And I was like, man, that's really cool. I like, I like that, that's got a ring. I don't, I don't fully understand what that might look like in a community setting, but I, it piqued my interest and I went down a rabbit hole and it was, it's been fun. Right. Uh, so this is a guy who uh, was quoted in the book in, he is from the second century church. That's like 155 AD. He said, we, we who are filled with war and mutual slaughter and every wickedness have each through the whole earth changed our warlike weapons, our swords into plowshares and our spears into implements of tillage. And we cultivate piety, righteousness, philanthropy, faith, and hope which we have from the Father himself through him who was crucified. And he's just talking about, man, in their fellowship of churches, this is like, this scripture was the backbone. And I don't know, it's kind of cool to hear that that's what they're writing about. And I was curious, I wonder what they're going to write about our culture or what we would say like is our our banner that we hold up. And this was a scripture that was powerful and for them and stood out. I don't know, I was digging into this. What would what could this look like for us if plows or source of plowshares was uh, our slogan? So let's jump over to Isaiah 2. This is where this passage is from. And we're just going to read through this. It says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we will walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion. The word of the Lord will uh, from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and he will settle disputes for many people and provide arbitration for many people. Arbitration, that means settle disputes outside of court. That's what that means. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And that's awesome. I think we've all heard this or some version of this before. And I think there's some initial thoughts that people just normally like go to when we read this. Um, I think world peace comes to mind. But I wanted to show you this. This is what a plowshare is. So I think we, I don't need to put a picture of a sword up, but this is what they were talking about. This bit right here is the bit that they're talking about. We're going to bang our swords and turn it into something that's going to turn the ground over. And so obviously they would connect that to a large animal and they'd walk behind it and turn the ground over. And then this is what a pruning hook would look like. They're talking about shaping their spears. I don't know about y'all, this kind of stuff helps me to kind of like, yeah. like get, wrap my head around what the imagery they're trying to, to show. But this, this passage is a pretty prominent passage when we talk about uh, world peace. People go to this. This is a statue of a man hammering his sword into a plowshare, and this is in front of the UN building. This is in front of, you know, this is in New York City, and they put this there to symbolize their mission of world peace, that there will be a time when there won't be any more war, and we can, we can focus our efforts on doing the jobs at hand, farming, whatever. And that's kind of the world's vision of what he's talking about, that it's one day there will be world peace. And I don't necessarily know, I don't think that world peace is what he's trying to communicate here. But I do think there are some really great lessons about peace and about shalom that we can learn. And so kind of how I went through this is, you know, last week Keith was talking about the past, the present, and the future. For me, there's um, the way I kind of broke into this was there's an approach that we have, then we learn, and then we respond. And so I want to break down this passage for you and just kind of go through some of the things that I've been thinking about. So we start off with the approach, and the way we approach God really matters. You know, when we look at this passage, it starts off and it says, there will be a time in the future, it could be today, it could be, maybe we haven't arrived, maybe we're there, but there will be a time when God is exalted and he will be known and be accessible and seen. Maybe it's when the printing press, you know, and it, I don't know. But there will be a time and people will see God, they'll see him and say, let's go over there and learn from him. And not just merely learn, but learn with the express purpose of living out the life that he, he's living, or living out the life that he has prescribed. The first little bit, we like none of this can happen if we don't have this bit on right, is we have to, to be one of those people that approaches God with humility. That is like the starting point. Peace, none of these things will happen if we don't get this bit on straight. We have to approach with a willingness to learn. 
we also have to approach with the intent to obey or to live it out. That was like the whole bit of this was like there will be a time when there are respectable people like upright, virtuous people that will see God and know I need to go learn from him. And I think that's a, are we there? Is that us? Is that how we approach God in a day-to-day -day basis? Is that how we came to know God? Did we see him and say, oh, he can just keep me out of hell. He can, whatever that thing is, I don't know, make me feel good about myself. The idea is that they saw that there was something they can learn. And I love this passage. This is a great, um, I don't know, I feel like it just sums it up. It says in Ecclesiastes 5, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to draw near with obedience. Some versions say to listen than to offer the sacrifice of fools, uh, or as fools do, for they uh, ignorantly do wrong. Do not be hasty to speak and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. But this idea that when we come before God, he's in charge, we want to learn from him, he's the man, and we know our place in the situation. So, I love that. It's, a, it's really simple, but that's a great starting place. And so, the next, the next bit here as we go through is we have to learn. What's really cool is you have these people who are willing to come in and learn from God. And so what does God do? It says the word flows out. His word went out and his instruction went out to the people. He's like, okay, you want to learn? So I don't know. I want to, I want to tell you this. James 3 and 4 is such a great parallel verse. If you're reading this and you want to do some Bible study, read this and read James uh, 3 and 4 with this. It's awesome. But in that, it says, it says that if you come near to God, he'll come near to you. And I think that that's what's happening is like you approach God in a humble manner. I want to learn from you. He's like, okay, I'll do that. And then from there, not only does he do that, he starts settling disputes. He starts showing us, not just teaching, but showing us, setting an example for, for how to do it. And it's cool that he's like, look, you don't have to go to court. We can settle some of these things outside of here. You don't have to do, do it necessarily the way the world does it and gives an example. And so, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, that God is willing to teach, and I think that's something we can trust about him. And, and so one of the big lessons that I, I believe he's teaching us about and wanted to teach in this passage is this idea of shalom. It's interesting that of all the things that he could do, he starts settling disputes. He starts showing us how to deal with conflict. And I, that is such a big thing in this, in this world. Ever, there, it, there just feels like so much conflict and so much turmoil. There's always something going on. And on top of that, you think about just the, the, the many, the many, many, Dramas that are going on in our lives at any one time. The sickness, the death, the 
you know, the bills, these things that, the, these little struggles, these little conflicts that we're having to navigate in life, you know, they're going on all the time. And learning how to navigate conflict in a godly way opposed to a worldly way is so important. But shalom, I think this is a word we've all heard before. We've all heard the word peace before. And a lot of times, like when people go into this passage, it's like, man, someday we'll throw down our swords and there'll be world peace. I don't think that that's what he's trying to teach. I think what he wants us to teach is, is shalom. And shalom is, it can be the absence of conflict, but more so it's being made whole. There's a big portion of this is being whole. And I want us to think in terms of reconciliation. Think about, think about, say you have a garden and we're two farms next to each other. And let's just say you have this beautiful garden and one of my cows gets out of the fence or my dog gets out and it goes and it totally messes up your garden. Okay? And I find out, and what, what do I want to do? I want to reconcile with you. I want to make peace with you. I want to make you whole. I want to help fix what I broke because that was my fault. And so what do I do? I either pay for it or maybe I come and I help you replant the garden. Whatever that is, I reconcile and I make you whole. So that is a piece of, of shalom. Another piece is to be complete. I want you to think about a stone or a brick without any de defect, without any cracks, that is like complete and strong and whole. And you can broaden that idea. Think about a wall built with those stones. Think about a wall that's strong and in place and set and there's no cracks and it's firm and it can be relied upon and it's not going anywhere. It's not easily moved. That's the being complete. And I, like I'm trying to come in and add it a bunch of different angles so that we can like get a well-rounded. I want you to think about shalom being in order. Think about when if so Sarah and I we go to the farm and we count how many chickens we have to make sure they're all there and accounted for. And they're all there. The farm's in shalom. It's at peace. Everything's in order. Everything's accounted for. That's a, those are all good things. And I think that that is, that wholeness, that's what the world is actually longing for. It's not world peace. It's not necessarily the absence of conflict, but it's the, the feeling of being complete. The feeling of that void that we feel being filled. Being a person that isn't filled with cracks, that isn't <laughs> falling apart. We, none of us want to be a wall that is falling down. We want to be a wall that's planted and one that's in order. Yeah. That, that when we take a, an evaluation of our life, everything's accounted for. And we, can, and we can know, okay, we're settled. We're at peace. We're in shalom. I think that, that's really what he's trying to communicate and teach. And I think this is something, 
I don't fully understand this, but I, this is, I'm, I was going through this process trying to figure out how can I get there because I want to be there. Amen. I, don't, I, I don't know about y'all, but I don't feel like I've arrived. I don't feel like I've hit the threshold where I'm like, I can, I can kind of sit down and take a break because I'm, I'm good enough, you know? And, um, you know, I love this quote. It says, peace is not the absence of conflict. But taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. I love that. That's kind of like the goal of peace is, is fixing what's broken and going, going together with that. And I, So I, I want to make one other point that I thought was really neat about being made whole and reconciliation is this idea of Two warring parties, when they make peace, it's not just like they've reconciled and the war's over, but instead it's them joining together and working together. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's not just like, okay, we both go home and I guess we're we're not fighting anymore. It's like coming together and working together. Yeah. Wow. Now, and that's I just want to throw that in there. And so the very, the very, very, very starting point of this, this whole thing is that peace isn't something we can do on our own. Like, yeah. people have tried. People are trying right now, and it's expressed in a million different ways. It's either, I, I can't do anymore, I need me time. Or maybe it is, I, like, I've got to go fight for peace. I've got to fight to make peace. There's like, there's a whole spectrum of how people are trying to figure out peace in their life, how to be whole, how to, how to experience stillness or like whatever. But this right here, I want you to see the language of, of shalom that's, that's written in here. For God was pleased to have his fullness. This isn't the exact word for shalom, but it's shalom, dwell in him. And through him to reconcile shalom to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making shalom, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Amen. So what do we have? We have this example of God putting his fullness, having a complete person, and that was Jesus. No chinks in the arm. He did it perfectly. He was there. He was still he was full, complete, and used him to reconcile, to make peace, to make our relationship with God whole, to make it complete, to rebuild the wall between us. And not just so there wasn't any more conflict, but so that we could work together, have a relationship going forward to, to promote positive and good yeah. things. And it wasn't just things on earth, it was all things that were made at peace. And that peace came through Jesus going to the cross. This is the starting point. This right here is where peace starts. And we can't like, we won't ever feel whole or complete if we don't wrap our heads around this little bit here. This is really, really important. And hopefully this puts a smile on your face because we're there. Mm -hmm. If you've decided 
that you want to follow Jesus and you're starting to walk in his ways and you've been baptized, you have the Holy Spirit, you can trust that you are in shalom with God. You're at peace with him. You are whole. Whether you feel that all the way yet, that may be another thing. Yeah. But, but you can trust that you are. So I think that this is the bit where we talk about the response. Because you go through this passage, you had a willingness to learn. You had men that wanted to know how to walk in the paths of God. And God said, okay, come and learn from me. Let me show you. Let me teach you. I'll give you examples. I'll send Jesus. And then it says, after all of that business, they left and they took their swords and they beat them into plowshares. They took their swords, the weapons of this world, the tools that they used to protect themselves, to fight, to figure out how to get what they didn't have. They took those weapons and they turned them into tools for cultivation, gardening tools, tools for growing things. And I think that those those symbols that he used are very relevant because we use weapons a lot. Whether we know it or not, we, we have weapons that we defend ourselves with. In James 4, 1, it says, What is the source of wars and fighting among you? Don't they come from the cravings that are at war inside you? And I really believe that that the peace that he's talking about here is it is it first an inner peace, uh, and it, and it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like James has something going on here. It's like the wars that we and the conflict that we're experiencing out here are an overflow of the wars going on in our heart, on the inside. It's not just like stuff. People just battling. It's like, no, there are things going on in our hearts that need to be dealt with because that's what's causing the conflict among you. Yeah. And without starting on the inside, we can't ever fix what's going on outside. I think the inverse of that is true as well. Is when we figure that out, we understand the peace that we have through Jesus that that also overflows out. And we start realizing that we have peace with other people, with relationships that I, I never thought that we would have a good relationship. Or when the, when the Bible tells us to love our enemies, impossible if there's not peace inside, if we don't understand what we just showed, yeah. Yeah. that we've been reconciled. So what weapons are we trying to deal with? And I want to share some of these. This is, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just stuff that was kind of stirring in me that I'd like to share. So you may, in your journal right now, write down something that like, this is a weapon I need to get rid of. It may not be on here, but hopefully it gets you thinking. Pride is, is a big one. We, we see the... The people at the beginning of the story, they, they go and start from a place of humility. 
But we use pride. Pride is uh, a way we protect ourselves. I can't show weakness. You know, that is, I think, one of the biggest things that I see today is people are afraid to start new things because they're afraid of failing. And what will people think if I mess up? That's this. That's actually a form of pride. You think so highly of yourself that you can't ever make a mistake. That's not, that's like, that's a big deal. And then there's this other side of the coin where it's like, my whole mentality is I'm right, you're wrong. It doesn't matter what you say. I got this on and there's nothing I can learn from you. I'm right, you're wrong. I think we've got to deal with pride. That's a big one. Yeah. Anger. Anger is a thing that, that we use to lash out. It's a response. It's something we do when we're hurt, we're afraid, offended, embarrassed, ashamed. Anger comes out in the weirdest times. When we feel like we've been mistreated, i got to protect myself. I'm going to use that weapon. I'm going to use that weapon on somebody. I want you to think about some of these things. Envy. This is an interesting one. This is one, this is one I got from James. This is in James 3. And the next two are, are from James. But envy is, I want what you have. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. And you, you think about shalom, think about there's a hole. There's a crack. There's something that needs to be filled. I see I, I, I'm at a deficit and I see you have what I want. And so I'll do what I got to do to get what I want or to fill the hole that I feel like I have. It's envy, selfishness, selfish ambition. That's the motto, self above others. Take care of number one first. That's, that's, a, that's an easy one, but what's wild is in James, it talks about how envy and selfishness are from the devil, one. Yeah. But then two, they bring disorder. And when we think about peace and being complete and being in order, we'll never be at peace. We'll never have shalom yeah. with envy and selfishness. And I, I want to talk about those because they don't get talked about enough. We envy a lot. Yeah. I've had relationships, I've had friendships with, with guys who were talking about other people who are dating and hate that guy because they have a girlfriend and they, that guy doesn't have a girlfriend. Right. Completely envious. Right. And because he's envious, he wants bad things for that guy because he has what he doesn't have. Because he feels empty. And I... These things can really mess us up, and we've got to be thoughtful about them. And control. Control is a big weapon that we use to kind of, a, to, to try and form some silence, some semblance of peace in our life. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't work the way we think it works. All of, all of control stems from fear. Fear that things aren't going to happen the way they need to happen. Fear that 
Something's going to blow up in my face. So I'm going to make a fool of myself. Fear is, is, is the big cause. But it, this is it like it leads to this anxiety. We try and control everything. And we, we have to remember the Sermon on the Mount that, man, if the, if the flowers of the field, the birds, if they're taken care of, I don't need to be anxious. Because God's, God's done those things for me already. If we don't have on that first bit that I've been reconciled, everything on earth and above the earth has been reconciled to God. He's got it under control. We have, like, if we don't understand that, we feel like we have to control everything. And what that does is it puts us in a frenzy. There's always fires to put out. There's always something. And it's this big spiral, and then there's always a new problem. It's a never-ending, like, whirlwind. Yeah. There's always a fire to put out. There's always a new thing. It's not... In our heads, we say, well, if I just get this one thing under control, if I can just control the outcome of this thing, everything else will be okay. And that's never how it plays out. Yeah, it just becomes, you become a person who micromanages stuff and tries to control bits and pieces. And we're, we got to learn how to take control of that and to bring it at peace over the fast... Sarah and I had a situation with this control bit that we were trying to figure out. And so Sarah had got this awesome traveling gig up in North Carolina. And it was a little far away, but what's wild is my mom called Sarah and said, hey, I saw this job in Anderson. You should apply for it. It's a travel gig. It actually pays more than what you're getting paid up here. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. That's, and so we're trying to figure out how do we navigate the interview with this other place when she's already been hired over here and we're like working all that stuff out. And so we get it figured out and it's great. And actually on top of that, at the interview, Sarah's praying, man, just let me know somebody in this interview process. Let me, let me just a familiar face, man, God, that'll let me know that you're there with me and it'll be a good thing. And sure enough, who greets her at the door? And there, uh, it wasn't a nurse, it was a tech from uh, Greenville Hospital who'd moved to Anderson over the past couple of years. And she's like, I'm here for your interview, come with me. And it was like, it was totally a, a, a kiss from God. God took care of it. And so she ends up getting the job. We figure out this other thing. And then we're trying to figure out some scheduling stuff with this new job in Anderson. And, and so what do you do when you, you need to figure something out? You make some phone calls. You say, okay, let me see what I can do. And it wasn't working out. And actually, the, the lady, the scheduling lady, was being a little snarky. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I haven't started yet. And now I'm at war with this person. And I need this scheduling thing to work out for my plans to, to go according. And Sarah's calling me, and she's running down this list. And we had a conversation. And it was, okay, stop. Did we just forget all of the ways that God has taken care of us up to this point? Yeah. Why would he stop? Yeah. Right. Why would he stop yeah. now? Right. And so often we are in that exact same place. Right. 
God has been doing these things and putting you at just the right place and giving you exactly what you need. And then there's a thing with a question mark and you're like, ah, I got to figure it out. Shalom. Be at peace. God's in control. He's gotten you to where you are. It's okay. Even if the scheduling thing didn't work out, our situation is so much better than it was a week ago. And sometimes, sometimes we have to be okay with saying, hey God, I'm going to wait for you. I, I, did, I did the initial steps. I made some phone calls. It's not going how I thought. I'm giving this to you. Take control. You have the wheel. That's big. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Looking at this passage with Isaiah 2 is put a new kind of spin on it for me. Like I always kind of thought it like this, oh yeah, we got some things that will demolish arguments. You know, that's kind of cool. But this idea of really using like the challenge of throwing up the weapons that we've been brought up to use the things that the world says that we need to protect ourselves with, getting rid of those things and saying, okay, we're going to take those things and transform them into new tools that actually work at what we're trying to accomplish when we deal with conflict. And again, it's this taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. That's dealing with what's on the inside first. Yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes we talk about that and it can feel like every thought that comes in my head, it's got to be put in a cage and set in a box and put on the counter and it's like I have to have. But I think, I think what he's trying to get at is that we are taking control of what's going on inside our minds and our hearts. There, there's, we're, we're putting order to it according to the word of God. So what are our new tools? I want to share these with you. Before we go down these, this list, you guys, these are going to be cliche. Okay? We are going to have heard these a hundred times. But really, they're the nuts and bolts of our faith. They're the nuts and bolts of like, they're the mundane, like, unglamorous, I don't know, basketball 101. Like, they are like the basics. God's word is the first tool. Again, it all goes back. Approaching God with a humble spirit. Willing to learn and wanting to put it into practice. That last one's key. It's not just, oh, I want to learn some cool things from God because he's got a new way of thinking about things. The purpose is to learn so that we can do. Learn so that we can live. And that comes from God's word. 
I think another thing that I was learning, and this is a whole other rabbit hole I really want to go down, it just wasn't for today, is how peace and righteousness go hand in hand. They're like two sides of a coin. And, and it's a really, it's, a, it's, it's this idea of being whole and, and, and being right. And like, being all right. And it's like both of those things are gifts from God. You think about what God was doing is he's settling arguments. His way is the right way. And so in his way, you'll find justice. In his way, you'll find righteousness because it's true. And so because of that, we can't have peace and we can't have righteousness. We can be those things, even though we can't be those things. Does that make sense? You guys get what I'm at, like trying to say, is that we can be righteous. We can live the right way and not just be self-righteous, doing what we think is best. Yeah. We can live out God's way. But the idea is, is that because we've been at peace, we are now working together. It's just not me working. It's God and me working together and going forward. And that's, that's where the shalom, that's where the peace comes. But God's word is, is got righteousness and justice. It shows us which way we need to go. Whenever you're in doubt, which way should I go? How do I need to handle this? This needs to be the place where we go first. Prayer and fasting. Again, I know these are the most cliche things, but, but have you tried to put these in practice in the heat of the moment? When things aren't going how you think they should, in the heat of the moment, God, you're in control. Let me take a moment to pray. Or if something's impending, I need to take some time to fast. We get a direct line with the Creator. What a beautiful thing that we get to talk to God. And then we have fasting. We can we we have this this way, and this is just a small a small bit here of, of a multifaceted idea of fasting, but we've come out of this thing together, uh, this time of fasting, and hopefully we have like attempted to like get out of our comfort zone and bend our will to fit in the mold of Jesus's will. We're like, we've kind of contorted ourselves and we've moved in a little different way to try and make ourselves fit or line up better with the way that God's moving. And you see how those work? These work together. The God's word and prayer and fasting work together. And then finally, faith. Faith is so important. Cole just talked all about it. I, I, love, I love faith because it's not just believing. It's not just a belief. And I, I want us to, when we think about faith, think of the faithful farmer. And I love this because Sarah and I have a farm and it resonates with me. But I want us to think about a farmer who goes and, and, and early in the spring starts beginning to till the ground, prepare the ground. And so he has faith that if I start down this journey, sometime in the future, there will be a harvest. And so there's some things that we can trust God when he says certain things. So, if I plant in faith, 
If I sow in peace, there will be a harvest of righteousness. I can trust that if I plant tomatoes, tomatoes will spring up. I don't have to worry about planting tomatoes and wondering if jalapenos are going to come out. All right? That's like we can, we, can, we can trust the process. But then as a farmer goes through, there's a lot of control that they have, but then there's a lot of control that they don't have. Has to wait on, wait on the sun. Has to wait on the rain. Wait on seeds to do what seeds do. The farmer can't like get in there and squish it and make a tomato pop out. It doesn't work like that. A farmer can't control the outcomes. But in the right season, a bountiful harvest will come. If the farmer does what he does and then waits on God. And, and this is the shalom, this is the faith that I'm talking about, is that it's a working together. Amen. Who's making the tomatoes grow? Who's making the harvest? Is it the farmer? Yes. Is it God? Yes. It's them working together. And this is how the peace that we want so badly like if we don't have faith that peace will come at the end of sowing peace, at the end of putting down the weapons that we talked about, like faith is the key to all this. It's a trust that God will do what he said he'd do, but also that's paired with obedience. That's, that's, that's where faith is. Jesus was hungry for that. He was like, is there anybody with faith? That's what he wants to see is that there's God will do what he says he's, he's going to do, so I'm going to do what God asked me to do. And we can trust that the harvest will come. That's so big. And I, I love this. James, I'm telling you, James 3 and 4 with this scripture, like you've got to do some Bible study and dig into this. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, other verses say obedient or compliant, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So that's the call. What are you going to go and sow? I think, I think what we have to, in prayer and in Bible study, we have to like embrace the good news and absorb it and marinate and steep in the fact that we can trust that we will have peace in this life if we do it God's way. We have to know and believe that there will be righteousness. I can live a life that is right and true. And how experience those good things in this life if we follow the teaching and we put away the weapons, the things, the sin that so easily entangles. And I want us to think about sin is missing the mark. Those things where we're missing the mark. We work on our aim and we focus in on, on the wisdom that comes from heaven in these things. So can we expect world peace? I don't 
don't really think so. Um, but I do think, I think this is, this is what's special, is that I do think we can faithfully expect a harvest of peace in our, in our life, in our inner life. A peace to where no matter what's going on around us, we're okay. Things are good. We're accounted for. There's no chance. Yeah. And we can, we can expect that that peace, it may not overflow through the whole world, but it can overflow in our family. Yeah. We can expect peace like that in our, in our house. Yeah. And imagine if, if a lot of families were doing that. I mean, I think, I, I really believe that, that that city, that exalted, like God being exalted on the mountaintop, are families at peace. People seeing families who are experiencing this and saying, oh, wow, that's God. I need to go learn so I can walk and live like that. I think, I think that that's, that's, that's more what's what they're talking about. So here's the slogan, swords into plowshares. Could this be our new slogan? Could this be something that we say to each other on occasion? I think I think this is easy easier. Swoop low, swoop low, swoop low. I don't know. I, I like I like that. I, it's funny. I know this is this is dumb, but I how cool would it be if if there was something that we if there was like a, a mutual thing that we could say to each other in certain circumstances. That would be offensive that we could hear, and someone says, swoop low, and you're like, swoop low. And what are they saying? Be at peace. You're obviously not at peace. Be at peace. But you don't have to say be at peace. Swoop low. Swoop low. Maybe it's lay down your weapons. Swoop low. Maybe it's hold on to God's word. <laughs> Go to prayer and and uh, with faithfulness or uh, keep transforming repent. I don't know. I thought that's funny, but I, I, I want, I say that in jest, but I would, I think this is like one of those things that when we, when we're, as we're realizing the peace that we should have through, through Christ, is that we can talk about some of these things and it's not, it's, it, it's not offensive. We're not trying to like jack each other up we're not trying to beat each other up. We're trying to actually get you back to a place of shalom. Amen. A place of peace, and we're walking together with each other. I know that's dumb, swoop up. <laughs> but but let's like let's think about it and let's talk in the words of shalom with one another. Let's let's say a prayer. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.